When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twelve to one every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Okay, we didn't have the audio yesterday because the game hadn't long been finished. Fiji against Portugal. Portugal momentous win. 24-23. Simon Raiwalui, head coach of Fiji. Mentioned to him, it was a loss to Portugal, but you've still qualified for the quarters. What's your feeling after that game? Obviously, firstly, I want to congratulate Portugal on their win. Um, uh, great victory. Stuck to play very well in the first half. Uh, we didn't take our chances. Finally got the lead, and then uh, they stuck at it and got the try at the end. So, firstly, congratulations to them. Obviously, disappointed to, to lose the game. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, qualification for the quarterfinals is uh, no small feat. We've, uh, the last time we qualified for the quarterfinals was 2007. So very happy to be there, but we've got a lot of work to do this week. And on that, what did he feel the shortcomings were in that match? Where did they struggle? I think in the first half, we obviously <clears throat> we had our chances to release the ball wide. And we, didn't, we didn't get it wide. I think still too many uh, drop balls in contact, um, putting the pressure back on ourselves. And you know, obviously Portugal took their chances and uh, got, the, got, got scoreboard pressure on us. And they um, yeah, thought we'd uh, done enough at the end to get it, but they, they kept on going and got their try at the end. So yeah, a uh, number of things to work on, similar. Uh, I thought there were some good areas uh, today. Yeah, but there's, uh, we've got to get, get those basics right now. Um, Few uh, couple, lost uh, set piece as well. The lineout puts it puts you in pressure under pressure. Uh, ball going back into our territory. So yeah, there was a number of things. And now looking ahead to the quarterfinal against England, uh, he was asked what he made of their previous game and what do you make of the matchup. They're a great tournament team. Um, they play they play football uh, football to win, uh, rugby to win. Um, yeah, they'll put a lot of pressure on us at set-piece time as well. Um, tactically, they'll look to, look to play, uh, take advantage of some of the things that we've, we've been doing. So, yeah, they're a very good team. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. Um, he was also asked in that match where they went down to Portugal, uh, was he surprised by their level of play? Not at all. I've been watching Portugal play since we knew they were in there in our pool so uh, Patrice Lajeske and his uh, coaching staff have done a wonderful job um, in terms of the style of play they play uh, the efficiency that they play at so uh, like I said the, the, the victory today was well deserved and anyone that's surprised about how they play is, uh, is hasn't been watching them because they've been playing a very good brand of rugby and, uh, and I think you can tell from all the, all the games that they've played in this tournament they've been getting better and better and of course, Fiji in a warm-up game beat England at Twickenham in August. He was asked if that encourages his team going into this week's game. I think it's a totally different match, uh, playing, a, playing a different team. So 
I think there'll be aspects of how they play that they'll, they'll do similar, but they'll obviously bring some new stuff that they've seen probably from us. So it's about us being efficient and uh, doing the things that we do well uh, and giving ourselves the best chance to, uh, to compete. And I think, uh, yeah, the, we've, we've, we've played the team, so they're, they're, the boys are comfortable. It's not the first time playing them. So, yeah, you know, I think, think it'll be a good match. And just as a reminder, it was absolute scenes at the end when Portugal won. Their players uh, didn't look fatigued at all, just the adrenaline was flying. So we'll we'll play you the very end of that game, sort of the full-time whistle. Then we'll hear from coach, who was a wonderful French wing, Patrice Lagescay. We'll hear from him and the man of the match from Portugal, Nicolas Martins. Portugal have a famous win at the Rugby World Cup, and look what it means. Look what it means indeed. This is huge. A tier two team playing phenomenal rugby, so well coached by Lajusse. Look what it means to them. It's phenomenal. The passion that this Portuguese team have been. They deserve this win. They were the better team overall. They absolutely deserve it for the sheer resilience, the brilliance at times, the superb rugby that they played for 80 minutes plus. Fiji will live to fight another day. Portugal, look what it means. Look what it means to this team. I know how much you've worked hard to get yourself to where you are today. The first win in a Rugby World Cup for Portugal. And you, you guided the ship. Just tell us what your thoughts are at this moment. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. They, they always find resources that uh, I never expect. And the way they could score this last try is, is amazing. It's, uh, even if we work a lot to, to be able to do things like that, they, they still surprise me. <laughs> After four years, they, yes, it's an incredible group, an incredible team. Uh, and they... And there are players who are really talented, you know. It must be really difficult for you on an emotional level because it's the last match uh, coaching Portugal and you end with a win. Yes, it couldn't be better. (laughs) I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. So lucky to train a a squad like like this one and and so lucky to finish with this victory. Yes, it's a great moment, yes. And what about the fans? Just a couple of words about these incredible fans for this Portuguese team. I love them. They're, they're incredible. They, they support their team uh, 80 minutes during. They sing, they, they shout, they can hear them. Yes, I love them. Nicolas, um, what an incredible night for Portuguese rugby. Can you please just give us your initial thoughts? What does it mean to you? Something incredible. Work a lot for that. I know uh, no word to say that it's uh, historic. I'm so happy. I think it's uh, the best moment of my life. You've been playing some great rugby at this uh, Rugby World Cup, and now a draw, and now a win. I mean, you know, what's what, what's so special about these boys in this team? I don't know. We are a team of friends from uh, France, from Portugal, but we we live together. It's uh, something incredible. What about these fans? Just tell, you know, tell us what you think about these fans here. Right. It's incredible. All the public were for us, and the Fiji play well. But wow, the, all this, all this is, and wow. I, I don't have the world. Yeah, just delighted for them. Um, absolutely magnificent. I've actually pulled some stats together 
which I'll share with you in the first hour from the teams that are departing and there's some surprising reading actually about how well some of the teams did in various parts of their games statistically across the whole tournament that are not going forth so I'll get to those soon. Um, Just one little bit out of the All Black camp, watched a really good little chat with uh, Andy Ellis, and this was on NZR Plus. Andy Ellis, former All Black halfback, catching up with the future of New Zealand halfbacks, Cam Roygaard. Here's their chat. About eight months ago, you're, you're training, getting ready to for the hurricane season, and here you are now pushing pretty hard for a spot in this AB's team. How are you feeling? Oh, obviously, I'm loving it. Like it's, um, it's obviously happened pretty quickly, but, um, yeah, like eight months ago or a year ago even. Um, wouldn't really think that I'd be here. Had goals and stuff at the start of the year and um, probably seemed a little bit unrealistic at the time, but um, it was something to strive for and keep um, pushing towards. And I suppose like, I'm pretty grateful that I have been able to um, tick some of those off um, as the year's sort of gone on. And um, to be here now, um, getting ready for a quarterfinal is pretty cool. Now, you, um, a lot of people won't know, but you're a Waikato boy. When- Cambridge, um, and do you want to tell us a little bit about that that sort of journey of moving away from there? Yeah, so I went to um, St Peter's Cambridge and was in the Waikato Pre-Academy, they call it, which was like for year 12, 13. Wasn't really much of an opportunity at Waikato um, for the academy. Um, and counties showed interest, so I thought that was my best opportunity to um, get potential game time. So, yeah, made the decision to um, go up there. You, you moved, shifted from Waikato. Was there other halfbacks in the way there? Uh, yeah, Is that so why you well, moved? Part of the reason, yeah. So there was um, Cortez, who's my age. He was probably the top nine on Waikato. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, it was quite funny. I got talked about the club, playing club in the Waikato, that they wanted us playing against each other, not in the same club. And I thought, of, sort of thought about that from like an NPC perspective. Like, I don't want to be stuck behind these guys in the academy or NPC. I'd rather be somewhere else and play against them to sort of try to prove myself. You're from a stock car mm. uh, family. Your, your dad, massive driver. You, yep. you and your brother yeah. went and watched them when you were younger, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I sort of grew into it. Like, um, dad raced off for years and it was sort of just a part of, um, part of growing up, really. Um, it was sort of speedway first and um, rugby second. <laughs> yeah. Or rugby in the winter, speedway in the summer. And do you think that that experience of driving helped your rugby in, in any way? Yeah, like, um, oh, it's quite interesting, like, when we're in that, um, the mini stocks, which is the kid class, you sort of have to use your peripheral vision, um, your vision to, like, avoid crashes and sort of feel who's around you and stuff, and I think um, on the field, it's, I suppose it's a little bit similar, you know, like, if you've got a line break or someone's coming behind you, you can sort of feel your supporters and stuff like that, so. Go well, brother. Thanks, mate. Yes, go well, brother. Um, very good. Very level-headed young man, isn't he? I love the maturity. I'm very excited for the future of him. And actually, while that was playing, Robbie said, I don't really care who Ian Foster picks this weekend, except for one position. Cam Roygaard on the bench, not Finley Christie. And that's not an anti-Finley Christie one at all. It's it's a pro-Roygaard. I think he's a long-term halfback for the future. 100% agree. Um, Yeah, yeah, as as you said, not not anti-Finley Christie. I am still thinking I would have liked to see Brad Webber there, but he's not. I've come to terms with that. And I think, yeah, basically, um, from what we've seen in the tournament, uh, Aaron Smith, your number nine, Cam Roygaard's your 21 or 
whatever. You pretty much only need two halfbacks at the World Cup, but they do mm. take three for injury cover because if a if you only took two and a half back went down, you'd have to send one over and it's going to be a few days before they get there. So I get that. Same with Hooker. Um, but Finley Christie, I don't know how much more rugby he's going to get uh, or whether they'll alternate on the bench. I don't know, but I really want to see Cam Roygaard on there. Right, we shall take a break on the other side. We haven't heard from this guy, I think, for the whole tournament. Michael Checker, sneaky little man, former Wallabies coach is now leading Argentina. They beat Japan 39-27 and they find themselves in the quarterfinals. We'll have a little catch up with him post his match. Uh, And we're also going to play you quite a long piece, but I find it very, very interesting. RTE Rugby, which is an Irish rugby show uh, with analysts, former number eight, Jamie Heaslip, and former midfielder, Darren Cave, both for Ireland, uh, looking ahead at Ireland's Rugby World Cup quarterfinal match against us. And later on we've got some Black Caps Netherlands highlights if you missed out on those as well. So still a lot to come. Stick around. A little bit of personnel uh, information. Antoine Dupont has had the all clear to come back and play. So that's good news for the French team. Um, I've listened to a lot of interviews with uh, there's a lot of former players being involved in the press over there and almost to a person they are saying they just wonder where his confidence level is because he's quite an abrasive, embraces the contact type player. And just, can he put that to the back of his fractured cheekbone mind and um, really go at it? But uh, good for the French, good for the tournament that he is back. And uh, unfortunate news for Argentina, Pablo Matera is out of their quarterfinal against Wales and if they got past that we don't know um, how much further actually I'm not 100% I think Michael Checker uh, spoke to that let's have a listen now to Michael Checker this was on the sideline immediately after his team beat Japan 39-27 Nervous moments in the coach's box. The, ga- the tournament's been so competitive. And even when you feel like you get yourself ahead a little bit, everyone's playing for their lives, right? So we gave them a few easy entries back into the game, which was unfortunate. But if you look on the positive of that, then we can turn that around and get better at that next week. Maybe we'll be a chance, you know? You take on Wales in the quarterfinals. Your captain just said that you're going to need to improve if you are to beat them. Is that how you see it as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, as you go along, you got to get better. Like, one thing we did do today, we scored some tries, which we, we got a few more under our belt. Our defence wasn't as good as it's been, so we sort of traded one for the other. But, look, I think what changes now is the mentality. I feel like some of our boys have been... You look at the crowd here today, so many Argentinians who have put their savings together to come for this week, next week... I think they felt a bit of that pressure, you know, I mean, we've got to win, so you can't think about that. Now that everyone's happy, all the crowd's happy, they're into it, no, they're right for the next two, maybe we can just chill out and go for it, you know, play some good footy and then we'll see the car, where the cards fall, you know, we'll see how we go. And just quickly, do you have an update on Pablo Matera? No, but it doesn't look good, so I'd say it's a hamstring injury, definitely, and by the look of him now, I'd say it'll be over, but, you know, it's never over till it is, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be a terrible blow for them if their if their leader Pablo Matera is injured out of the Rugby World Cup. Now they haven't really hit their straps this World Cup, Argentina. I don't feel like we've seen 
the form that we saw from them just under 12 months ago. Um, that irrepressible pack and the free-flowing back line, it just hasn't seemed to click yet for them in the World Cup, but they have made a quarter-final. Now, you know I love a stat. Here's some stats for some of the teams. In fact, I've got them for all the teams. I won't do it all right now, but um, I've picked out the interesting ones. So out of Pool A, these are just the teams going home. Italy. Um, it was the set piece that cost Italy. They had the worst scrum success of any team at the World Cup, just 75%. So they lost a quarter of their scrums, uh, losing about one and a half scrums a game. Fifth, oh, sorry, 15th out of the 20 teams as well for line-out success, which, which isn't great. Uh, Uruguay, uh, a major positive for them was the work at the breakdown. They were ranked second best for breakdown turnovers, four and a half a game contributing to the fifth most one overall. Um, Namibia. Alistair Kutsi's side were ranked third for dominant collisions, 34.5 per game, which is incredible when you consider they had the third fewest carries at the tournament in round robin. So very few carries, but most of them dominant collisions. So in terms of percentages, they were top of the pile out of all the teams, despite being in a hugely physical group with France, the All Blacks and Uruguay. So well done to Namibia for that. Scotland, who were outed by Ireland. Uh, they topped the charts with average carries per game, defenders beaten, offloads, and they averaged second for line breaks and metres gained. They topped the charts in so many areas. And in fact, they scored more tries with 21 than any team on the other side of the draw. But given they were on the tough side, um, it amounted to them going home. Tonga. Now, they were revered for their physical approach. Uh, and surprisingly, they were ranked 19th in the tournament for dominant collisions behind only Chile. Only 34%, which is very low for Tonga. Uh, that translated into being unable to recycle their ball quickly enough uh, to stress, uh, stress the defences. And the average speed of four and a half seconds to clear the ruck put them 15th out of 20 in the tournament. So a disappointing tournament for Tonga, I feel. Um, but they just need more rugby. All of the Pacific Nation teams got better as the tournament went on, particularly Samoa. Romania. Uh, of course, no victories at the World Cup, but one positive, uh, they tried to play with speed and they had the fifth fastest ruck speed of any team at three and a half seconds, uh, but their line-out was poor. They won the fewest overall line-outs, eight and a half a game, putting them 17th in line-out success, just 74%. Oh, Australia, I'm going to save them till last. <laughs> They really dissected Australia. Portugal, who we just heard from, um, even though not through to the quarterfinals, I think one of the success stories. Uh, they were ranked seventh for average carries per game, ninth for metres, sixth for line breaks, fourth for offloads, and that was definitely evident in that final try of uh, pool play of their last game of Rugby World Cup 2023 with their famous victory over Fiji. Georgia? Uh, played to their strengths relatively well, got decent output from doing so. Uh, they were the fourth best scrum success, 94%, uh, winning the fifth most overall scrums. Uh, they played territory, lots of kicking. They ranked fourth for kicks in play, uh, but they couldn't attack the breakdown. They won the fewest turnovers at the breakdown of any team in the World Cup. Japan. 
Um, knocked out by Argentina in their final pool game, as we heard. Uh, they had to make the most tackles of the tournament, 166 tackles per game. They overtook Wales in the last round. Michael Leach made the most with 62 tackles, uh, but ultimately he and his teammates were unable to make the quarters like they did last time. And no surprise that Japanese headed the discipline records of the pool play. Uh, they conceded the fewest penalties per game with just eight and an average of only two and a half of those conceded on attack. Samoa, uh, discipline was the real issue for Manu Samoa. They conceded the second most penalties, 13 and a half a game, and they didn't really show up in defence the way we all thought they would. Uh, made relatively few tackles, just 108 per game, 15th of the 20 teams, but they missed an average of 26 tackles a game. 26 tackles a game. Not great for them. Chile, not much to report on here. Um, what's the one sticking out for them? They won the six most turnovers at breakdowns with a total of 14, but not a great tournament. I think it was their first, it was their first ever Rugby World Cup. They won three. Now, Australia. These were the stats. They are the second highest ranked team in the world to not reach the quarterfinals after Scotland. And it's the first time that we've seen the Wallabies not make it past group stage. In defence, Eddie Jones' side made the third most dominant tackles of the tournament, but they missed an average of 22 tackles a game. That put them in 16th out of 20. That contributed to them losing games to Wales and Fiji and saw them miss the knockouts. Uh, one knock-on effect from the poor tackling was their inability to get parity at the breakdown. They ranked 13th for turnovers one with an average of just five a game. And their discipline was also poor, conceding 13 penalties a game, which ranked them 16th out of 20. So if you go on the stats, you can sort of see why it didn't quite all work out for Australia. Uh, text here, Dean, New Plymouth. The game this weekend will hinge on the midfield battle and winning the breakdown. The Irish have a big advantage in both areas. Foster's fantasy of running and gunning will only play into their hands. The All Blacks have to be prepared to fight fire with fire and win a tough physical battle. Another big difference is their backs are prepared to do the dirty work. Play like loose forwards when they need to. We have several backs scared of contact. Dean from New Plymouth, you stay listening because after the news, after the news, you will be very interested in the former Irish internationals, their take on how they think Ireland and New Zealand will go in this quarterfinal. Right, Jamie Heaslip and Darren Cave are two former Irish internationals, gave their honest opinion and breakdown, and I thought it was a really interesting chat. So we're going to play it to you now. It's from their rugby show in Ireland. Everything has changed with this Irish team. They don't fear New Zealand maybe in the same way that they would have even four years ago. No, not at all. Um, just like, I mean, they've, they've beaten them pretty consistently for the last few years. Um, they have a lot of momentum now from uh, the last 18 months in general. They're on the biggest ever streak they've been on before, but even from this competition. And it's just worked out brilliant for them. They've, they, they've had to kind of really peaked for that South Africa game. They kind of had a, a bit of time off and now they're building again and, they, and they've kept that momentum going through. And the fact that pretty much they could take everyone off the field that they need to take off after 50 minutes um, and save their legs, particularly with that turnaround time, New Zealand getting two extra days. It's all fallen really, really well for them. And you're right, in terms of psyche, they will not 
fear this these guys at all. Um, and that will be huge coming into this week. It's needed as well. You need that confidence. Um, and, and you have to be able to back yourself as well because, you know, when asked the question there, what do, what do they need to do? They need to be carry that rootless efficiency that they have because there's not going to be many moments that you get against a, a quality side like New Zealand, but you, you've got to be able to take them. And this side have just shown consistently that's what they can do. They've put themselves in this position over the last number of years. It's not just this World Cup, but they're on an 18-game winning streak if they win at the weekend. Only two teams have done that before, England and New Zealand. So this is now the category that this team are in. It's not just about the quarterfinal. It's about what they've done to get to here. Yeah, and it makes a... It's kind of a, an obvious thing to say, but wasn't really spoken about before. Um, you know, if you're going in to play New Zealand in a Rugby World Cup and you've never beaten them in the history of rugby, like, you do believe that you can do it. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's quite unlikely as well. This group, um, they're definitely, they're not, the biggest difference, they're not scared of anyone and they've no reason to be scared yeah. of anyone. They've beaten everyone. Um, I think a lot of teams, New Zealand, interesting to hear them. Um, they're sort of the narrative they're spinning is that they're happy enough to be playing Ireland. I, I do think there will be a bit of bite from wanting to knock us off our perch from, from last summer. Um, but I think, like, and it's hard as like a pundit, you're coming into these games and people think you're being arrogant because you're back in Ireland and it's not about being disrespectful to the opposition. I think New Zealand <clears throat> are really, really coming good. But I just believe that Ireland, like some of their uh, some of their accuracy, is absolutely off the chart. And I believe if they are able to execute with that level of accuracy, uh, I'm not sure any team would beat them. And interesting, Dono saying they have more gears across the 80 minutes. Yes, but across 30 minutes uh, or 38 minutes, I don't think so. I thought last night they were unbelievable, both sides of the ball, and it ended up that the second half was a was bit done. disappointing because yeah. the whole thing was over. Yeah, it was done. Can I ask you about that narrative that Darren's talking about there? I heard Bowden Barrett saying, you know, oh, we've got one, all, you know, we, we, we want Ireland because of what happened. And you do wonder if there's a bit of needle there that maybe they feel they heard Ireland saying, yeah, we want New Zealand, we'd prefer them other than France as well. That has to have got in there a little bit as well. I think well. that meant the Irish people that are probably down in New Zealand telling them that and yeah. telling them for the last 12 months. Um, but... Yeah, New Zealand done a really good job. They've kind of flown in under the radar, right? Um, they had a big opening game, and then you know they've been able to manage their squad pretty well and get them home. And now there's question like, will they be undercooked versus a battle-hardened Ireland? Um, that's going to be something coming into the fray. But you know they they do have someone called Joe Schmidt in their coaching staff who will be. You know, I, I get shudders thinking about the analysis that he's going to be doing on these players because um, he knows them so well and knows the way they're playing. But but the big difference, I think, is playing against this New Zealand side, I think our pack will dominate their pack. And and that's that's really important because that will give us momentum in terms of carries, it will give us momentum in terms of our set piece and what we can do to their set piece as well. Um, and that will slow them down, their attacking prowess, because with New Zealand, if you keep giving them loads of quick free ball, they've got class players and they'll cut you apart. Um, but I don't think Ireland are going to give them that. However, New Zealand, are going to, I think, are going to find it harder to slow us down. And the way the Southern Hemisphere teams tend to uh, defend, particularly in New Zealand, which is um, they, they don't mark the space, they tend to mark the man mm -hmm. as such. And I think if you watch last night's play, some of the tries came about because of the work off the ball by the players to create the overlap. Like, um, I think it's Dan Sheehan's try there that you see James Gibson Park, he carries in on the wing on one side, gets up out of that rook, works his butt off to get around and actually makes the pass then to put him away in the corner. And that's just hard work and street smarts. And I think... 
the way New Zealand defend, they're going to struggle if they can't slow Ireland's ball down. And I think everyone is finding it hard to slow Ireland's ball down. If that's one element of it, the big power play with the pack, New Zealand do have, generally, have always had some of the best backs in the world. And if you look at maybe what the dice that Ireland might be rolling with who we have fit and who we don't have versus what they have, are the aces slightly in their pocket? It's, it's really hard to know. And the more you sort of go around, the more you think about it, um, it's tough because we just don't have the information about who's injured and who's not. So part of me thinks um, it, it has the makings of a catastrophe, genuinely, if, um, if Lowe, Hanson, Earls and Henshaw are all out. Um, and not to disclude, like James Ryan would weaken any team, but if, if all four of those players are out, it is a bit of a catastrophe. Um, however, we could get an injury update tomorrow to say that uh, all four of them are expected to be fit. And it's, so it's really, really hard to tell. Um, it's not ideal that Jimmy O'Brien hasn't played and it looks like on the basis of probability he may be involved this weekend. But listen, I think big picture, um, provided we don't get bad news on all four of those players, we probably have a fitter squad than most other teams at this yeah. stage of the tournament. Yeah. I think we, we love to paint this picture that we don't have depth just because we're Irish. And, but we, like, we do have depth. We have a lot of really good players. And to be fair, Jimmy yeah. O'Brien played against South Africa in November and was brilliant. I know he's only had seven caps, but yeah. he was superb then. I don't think anybody in Ireland, if Jimmy O'Brien was playing, would say, oh, that, that weakens the team. No, and like... I think Lowe is probably going to be fine. Um, we'll see how uh, Hansen is, um, depending on, on how that pans out. And then we'll see what the, the permutations are. And I actually think, in a really weird way, anything that gets thrown in this squad in terms of last-minute changes, injuries, anything like that, they take it in their stride. I think um, Andy always frames that really well in terms of another challenge thrown against them. And, and any challenge that's been put in front of them, they've overcome it. Um, and he's got to back the squad as well. He's got to back the depth. He's got to back the players that he has. It'd be quite interesting if he has to bring over players who he's bringing. We were talking about it off air. If James Ryan, for example, goes home, I actually think we're really strong around the second row or back five in the pack. Um, and I think there's an outside chance he then might actually bring someone like a, a Keane Healy over in that case, actually, as opposed to an out-and-out second row. Um, but look... We, we don't know how it's, that's going to pan out, but he's, you, you, I have the feeling that Andy will back who he has over there and Jimmy O'Brien is a great player to use. Yeah, it's a great week to look forward to though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I actually completely agree with, um, uh, with Jamie. It's, we've all become doctors and we've all yeah. seemed to have ruled James <laughs> yeah, Ryan out, but I do think um, Cian Healy, you know, a separate argument, um, like Cian Healy, how fit will he be versus Kilcoyne or Lachman? But, you know, there's a series of events where you actually your squad... Um, I wouldn't say strengthen, but you know what I mean? Cian yeah. Haley and that squad adds huge value. Um, it's just incredibly exciting, and hopefully we get some good injury news, and uh, hopefully, obviously, the game goes well. There it is, the Irish pundits on the matchups. I thought they made some very clear, concise observations about how they see Ireland getting over the top of the All Blacks and what the All Blacks are going to have to do. It's such a mouth-watering, such a mouth-watering game.